glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Isaiah chapter 50. And if you would like to also be turning to Luke chapter 9, we'll be going there shortly. We'll begin reading in Isaiah chapter 50 this morning. Trust that God will use the word to speak to our hearts today, strengthen us in our faith, draw us nearer to him. Amen. Let's uh, look at verse 5, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 5. If you would like, we're going to let you stand one more time. We'll read a couple of verses here. If If you want to stand, you can. And uh, we'll give you a chance to stretch your legs once more. We'll read three verses and then we'll pray. And then you can be seated. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 5. The Bible said, The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiter. And my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. Let's pray. Father in heaven. We thank you, Lord, this morning for this wonderful privilege and opportunity to gather together in your name to worship you this morning. Dear Lord, we're glad for the freedoms and the liberties that we still have in this country to do this very thing today. And dear God, I pray that you would help us this morning to take advantage of this opportunity. And Lord, may we open up our ears and our hearts to the word of God. Lord, may we receive what you have for us today. I pray, dear Lord, please help me. Lord, please fill me. Direct my words and thoughts. Lord, I need you today. I can't help these folks, Lord, but your word can. And I ask, dear God, you would please help the word to go forth with power and clarity. I pray, dear God, if there's someone here today that does not know Christ as their Savior, not certain, of eternity. Oh, Lord, today I pray that you would deal with their hearts, draw them unto thyself, and may they be born again today. Meet every need, we pray. Help us as your people to be settled uh, on you and be faithful unto thee. We'll thank you and praise you. Bless our pastor today and Sister Jenny Beth and the baby. Watch over and protect them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The book of Isaiah has several prophecies in it concerning the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find uh, one of those prophecies here uh, concerning him in verses uh, 5 through 7. It's very evident uh, when you read verse 6 that the prophet is speaking uh, concerning, it's like Jesus is speaking here. Uh, when he says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair, and I hid not my face from shame and spitting. 
And then to continuing, he says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I want us to think about that statement this morning. 700 years or so before Jesus Christ was born on the earth, this prophecy was given that said that he would set his face like a flint. I want you to turn over, if you will, you can hold your place here for a moment, but go to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and I want us to read verse 51. The Bible said, And it came to pass, when the time was come, that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. I don't believe we have to stretch the scriptures to be able to pair up Isaiah chapter 50 and uh, verse 7 uh, to Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. I believe Luke 9:51 is referring to the same thing that Isaiah chapter 50 uh, is referring to. And we see the Bible makes it clear here that Jesus Christ set his face. Luke said he set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. Isaiah said he set his face like a flint. Now, uh, the, the idea here, the word here used, like a flint. A flint is a rock that's extremely hard. Uh, people use it for making, or did use it, I don't know if they still do, for making tools, but uh, some of you may have used a flint to start a fire with a flint and a piece of steel. It's extremely hard, extremely settled. And uh, the idea here, the imagery here is Jesus Christ uh, set his face like a flint. In other words, he is absolutely determined in what he has set his face for. Uh, the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 tells us that he set, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, in these verses, uh, three things here I want to point out real quick. This, these verses speak of the determination that Jesus Christ had in his heart. Very clear. He set his face like a flint. He steadfastly set his face. Whatever is going on here, Jesus is absolutely determined to follow through with it. Second of all, uh, it speaks of his, his direction. He said he set his face. In other words, he is looking toward a direction here. Jesus Christ is absolutely determined to go in the direction of, and it tells us his destination, and that is Jerusalem. There came a time in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ when the Bible says uh, it came to pass when the time was come. That time that Isaiah prophesied about when Jesus Christ would come and go to Jerusalem and go to Calvary and die for the sins of the world. That time had come and the Bible said Jesus Christ was determined to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly set his face. Now, you might ask your question this morning, why did the Lord steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem? I wanted to go to the book of Luke this morning because uh, of the four gospel writers, 
Luke speaks more about Jesus and Jerusalem together than any of the other writers. John or Matthew speaks about Jesus and Jerusalem, uh, refers to Jerusalem in the walk and talk of Jesus about 11 times. Uh, Mark speaks of it about 12 times. John speaks of it about 13 times. But Luke uh, brings Jerusalem and Jesus together uh, in that ministry of the Lord. He brings them together some 32 times in the Gospel of Luke. All the way back to Jesus when he's born and he's eight days old being taken to the temple in Jerusalem uh, to be uh, dedicated there uh, to the Lord. You find him at 12 years of age. He's been left behind at Jerusalem. There he's confounding the doctors and the lawyers and so on. And you can see Jesus going back and forth, back and forth, in and out of Jerusalem in his, in his lifetime. But now the Bible said he has steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's got a purpose. He's got a reason for going. Uh, I'm going to give you three of those reasons this morning real quick. First of all, he steadfastly faced, set his face to go to Jerusalem to simply do his Father's will. Jesus Christ came to this earth to do what? To die for the sins of the whole world. That was the will of God. Jesus Christ came to do his Father's will. He came also to fulfill the prophetic word over and over. The Bible tells us in the word of God that Jesus would suffer and die on the cross uh, for our sins. And he came to fulfill that word. And he came to provide uh, redemptive work for mankind to pay for the sins of mankind. I want to go back to Isaiah 50 for a moment. And I want to look in, in this place and in Isaiah 53. And when I said that he came to do the Father's will and to provide a redemptive work and to fulfill the prophetic word, I want to go back here and look what is going to take place in the life of Jesus Christ when he goes to Jerusalem for that last time. He says over here in Isaiah 53, if you'll turn there and look uh, in verse 1, the Bible said, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. There's no doubt about it. The writer here in Isaiah is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to this world as a tender plant out of dry ground, no form nor comeliness, nothing outside attractive about him. And when he came, he was despised and rejected of men. Notice in verse 4, if you will, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Go back to Isaiah 50 for a moment. I want to read again in verse 6. Here we have a a synopsis or just a short glimpse, if you will, of what Jesus did when he went to Calvary. If we were to read the the crucifixion scene uh, in the four gospels, we would find these things to be so. He said in verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters. If you remember reading in the gospels about when Jesus Christ was arrested there in the garden, taken before Pilate's hall and uh, found uh, not found guilty of any crime other than the Jews wanted him killed. Uh, the Bible says he was whipped uh, with a cat of nine tails. He was beaten, and uh, the, he gave his back to the smiters. The Bible says in another place uh, they plowed furrows in his back, describing the physical torment uh, that he received at the hand of those Roman soldiers. The Bible said he gave his back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. The Bible tells us that those Roman soldiers, when they surrounded Jesus, they slapped him in the face and they grabbed the beard in his face and plucked it out by the roots. And he said, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. They stripped him of his garments, hung him in open shame. They spit in his face. What are we talking about here? Isaiah's given us a glimpse 700 years ahead of time of what Jesus was going to do when he went to Jerusalem. And the Bible said there came a time when it was time for God's word to be fulfilled and redemptive's work to be done that Jesus steadfastly like a, set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem to bleed and die for you and for me. I'm glad he set his face. I'm glad, thank God, this morning that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was determined to do the will of God in his life. I'm glad, thank God, this morning he was determined to follow and obey the word of God in his life. I'm glad, thank God, this morning he was willing to go and pay the price to provide redemption for you and I so that you and I this morning could be saved forgiven of our sin. Thank God we don't have to set our face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to a cross. We don't have to be beaten. We don't have to be smitten and and tortured. He paid it all for us. We don't have to do any of that. He did it for us. Jesus Christ died on that cross for the sins of the whole world. The Bible said Jesus Christ, the Son of God, tasted death for every man. The Bible said that whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. My friend, this morning, Jesus Christ steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem so that you and I would never have to go to hell, that we could have our sins forgiven and go to heaven this morning. Thank God I'm glad he was determined to do the will of God in his life no matter what. He did. Now go, if you will, for a moment to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want us to read a couple of verses here. And I want us to be thinking about what this has to do with us besides our salvation. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. The Bible tells us here, For even hereunto were ye called, Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. 
who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, and when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. The Bible said Jesus Christ left us an example to follow. Amen? We're to follow his example. Notice, if you will, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Notice here the Bible said in verse 7 uh, that he took upon himself no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. And we have been commanded and we have been admonished to follow his example. Go, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. The Bible says there, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark with the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if anything ye, uh, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Notice what Paul said here. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, here's my goal. Here's my, here's my reason for living. Here is what my life is about. I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, no doubt, was a man that had steadfastly set his face toward doing the will of God in his life. No doubt he had determined in his heart that he was going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I want us to think about that this morning. I think if there's a time when you and I as the people of God need to realize uh, that there are some things we need, we need to get settled on, we need to be steadfast about, we need to set our face towards some things. My friend, it's a day we're living in. We have all kinds of distractions and discouragements and things going on out here uh, that get our attention. And if we're not careful, we'll be drawn away from what God has for for our lives, what God's will is, what God's word says for us to do. And it would be good for us to look at Jesus and the fact that he set his face like a flint and for us to set our face like a flint to settle on doing the will of God and being what Christ would have us to be in this day and time. Now, the truth of the matter is, is it's easy to preach about that kind of thing and talk about that thing, but carrying it out can be another thing. And I want us to simply go through the book of Luke about four places this morning, and I want us to see as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, some, some situations he faced, some obstacles that he came up against, 
that could have discouraged him, that could have distracted him, that could have defeated him in going to Jerusalem and carrying out the will of God in his life. And I find these, these things that we're going to look at are still around today. And sometimes these things can distract us and discourage us and cause us to get off course of what God has for us to do. And it would be good for us to be aware of them this morning and see that Jesus overcame each one of them. And because he did, we can. Go back to Luke chapter 9, if you will. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 again. The Bible said in verse 51, And it came to pass when the time has come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Now I want you to notice this. Jesus Christ has set his face to go to Jerusalem as he goes through Samaria. He, he is going to Jerusalem and he continues to go to Jerusalem, but he faces a crowd here that doesn't want him. He's facing a crowd here that has rejected him. The Bible said when he sent messengers before his face and they went and entered to that village of the Samaritans to make ready for him and they did not receive him. They didn't receive him. My friends, this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ, in many places that he went and in many situations that he faced, he was not received. He was not wanted. As a matter of fact, the Bible said he came into his own. That's the people, the Jews. He came into his own, and his own received him not. And you and I, if we, when we're trying to live for the Lord and we're trying to follow the God's will in our lives, you know what we're going to run across? We're going to run across people that do not want what we have. They do not want our Savior. They do not want our Bible. They do not want the message of the gospel. They do not want to be told the truth about their sin. They don't want to be told that they're going to die one day and go to hell and that Jesus Christ died for them and can save them. They don't want to hear about the mercy of God. They don't want to know about the grace of God. They don't want to hear about the love of God. And my friend, we're going to run across those kind of people. And if it's not careful, it can get very discouraging to be unwanted and rejected. We went to hand a lady a gospel John the other night, the other day, and she said, I don't want it. I don't want it. How many of you have ever been told that? <laughs> I don't want that. You know what? If we're not careful, we can, uh, we can allow the, the rejection of the world uh, toward the Word of God and toward the Lord Jesus Christ to affect us and in our steadfastness in following him and doing the will of God. But we need to realize Jesus faced that crowd and he faced that rejection. The Bible said he was despised and rejected. And there may be those that, that uh, we think would be glad to hear. I remember when I got saved, I was 15 years old and I got saved and I began to tell uh, my family and my friends, and especially my family, I began to tell them, went home, I remember the day I got saved, went home that afternoon and, and came in the house after I got off that church bus and I told my mom and my dad, I said, boy, I got, I got saved today. Nothing. Thank God my grandma was there with us for a couple of weeks. He busted out crying, grabbed my neck, hugged me. 
And I'm telling you, he's talking about throwing some water on the fire right off the bat. And I began to witness to my mom and dad because they were lost and I knew they was going to hell. And to my shock and to my amazement and to my surprise, they didn't want to hear it. I mean, it got to where my mother especially got upset with me if I tried to talk to her about the Lord. I'll tell you something, you say it can discourage you, amen, with people around you that you know you know what Jesus did for them and how he died for them and loves them and wants to save them and can change their life and give them eternal life and you have what they need and yet they don't want it. They don't want you. They don't want the message. And if you keep it up, they'll tell you to hit the road. But that didn't keep him from going on. The Bible said he set his face like a flint. And I'm telling you, if we're going to stay on the right track and we're going to stay in the will of God and keep obeying the word of God and keep telling people about the love of God, we're going to have to set our face like a flint in spite of those who don't want to hear it and those who reject it and reject us for being identified with it. Notice if we were in Luke chapter 13. So he set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem in light of unwanted rejection. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 22, the Bible said, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Still on his way. Amen. Let's see where he's been, what's going on. Verse 11. The Bible said in chapter 13, verse 11, Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together. And could in no wise lift up herself. I remember seeing a lady years ago. She was very old. And she was bent. I mean totally over. Totally just like this. Barely raised her head. And that was her posture all the time. She walked down the street. Walking just like that. That's the way this lady was. Bible said she had the spirit of infirmity. 18 years was bowed together. Could not in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now let me just interject this real quick. That which was crooked was made straight. Is that right? Jesus did that in an instant for that woman physically. But may I say this morning, Jesus Christ can do that for any sinner spiritually. Your crooked life, your wicked life, your sin and the burden of your sin and the effects of sin in your life. Do you realize that Jesus Christ can can make you a new creature that quick? He can restore you. He can He can save you. He can change your life. Just that quick. The same power that healed that woman of that infirmity is the same power that forgives us of all of our sin and gives us eternal life. But I want you to notice. The Bible said in verse 13, He laid His hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God and the ruler of the synagogue. Now the synagogue was a, a meeting place where the Jews would come together and meet. And the ruler of the synagogue answered, with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. 
and said unto the people, There are six days, and the ruler of the synagogue said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. So the ruler of this synagogue, instead of being able to rejoice in this poor woman being healed of her infirmity, is he's jumping all over Jesus for healing her on the Sabbath day and correcting Jesus in front of all the people. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to water him? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound these eighteen, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? When he had said these things, all of his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I want you to notice, Jesus Christ is still headed to Jerusalem in spite of this incident that we just read about. Now, what is going on here? There's a confusion here uh, in the synagogue with these Jews who are worshiping God concerning the Sabbath day. And uh, they were wrongly dividing the word of truth. They were interpreting the scriptures in a way that they thought was the way it should be interpreted, but it wasn't the right way at all. And you said, how do you know it wasn't the right way? Because Jesus told them what the right way was. And I find here that Jesus, in the face uh, of, of religion here, and by the way, it wasn't just religion, it was unrighteous religion, because these people, these Pharisees and so on, were trusting in their own righteousness, which meant they had no righteousness of their own. They were unrighteous in their religion, and Jesus had to face that crowd. And they're trying to correct him and trying to, to show that he's wrong in front of the people. And what I find is that Jesus here, in facing uh, those that were wrongly dividing the word of truth, he went on to Jerusalem anyway. I find if you go on down just a little further, Jesus said in verse 18, Then said he unto, uh, unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed when a man took and cast into his garden and it grew and waxed a great tree and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. Now here Jesus is likening the kingdom of God and this is the church age we live in today. He's likened it to a mustard seed is planted, but a great tree grows out. And the fowls of the air lodged in that. It is uh, uh, believed that this represents modern-day Christianity, and those fowls of the air represent demonic influence in Christianity today and uh, in, in so-called religion. And we have that today. We have people that are uh, involved in devilish activity in the name of God. We have people that are wrongly dividing the word of truth in the name of God. And then if you look in the next uh, story that Jesus tells in verse 20, he said, and again, he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leaven. He's liking again the day that we are living in to a woman that takes a, a meal and puts leaven in it, and the whole lump is affected by that leaven. Leaven represents sin. It represents error. It represents uh, wrong doctrine. <clears throat> We're facing here today, as Christians, we're facing people that wrongly divide the word of truth. That's where false religion comes from. That's where cults come from. People that wrongly divide the word of truth. We're facing today in religious activity, devilish activity. 
wicked things going on in the name of God uh, that the devil is behind and involved in. We're facing people that are making doctrinal compromise, like adding the the leaven to the, the whole lump of the meal and it affects the whole thing. We're seeing that going on in our lives today in the name of religion, in the name of Christianity, all these things taking place. And if we're not careful, these things can get us distracted. We can get fed up <clears throat> with people who are mishandling the Word of God. We can get fed up with people who are compromising the Word of God. We can get fed up with the wickedness going on in the name of religion. And if we're not careful, it'll set us aside. We'll get distracted. We'll get discouraged. We'll get defeated. And uh, you know what? We need to steadfastly set our face to do the will of God in light of the unrighteous religion that we see out here today. And there's much of it. We need to realize even though all that's going on, God still has a purpose. God still has a plan. God still is working. And we need to stay on track with him. I want you to notice something else. Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. It came to pass as he went through, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and as he entered into a certain village there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, He said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, comes across these ten lepers, these men that had that horrible disease that typifies sin in the word of God. And they cry out to him, and he heals all ten of them. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible said when he healed all ten of them uh, that they went on their way. Uh, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and fell on his face to the ground and glorified God. And Jesus asked a question. Where, I healed ten, but where are the nine? Now the Bible makes it clear here. Here this man came back and he gave thanks In verse 16, he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks as he was a Samaritan. Here's a man that was truly grateful for what the Lord Jesus Christ had just done for him. Amen? Jesus Christ healed all ten lepers. He did the same thing for each one of them. Each one of them went away fully cleansed amen no longer outcast no longer unclean no longer unable to be a part of society jesus christ has cleansed them all but only one came back and gave thanks as he's going to jerusalem he runs across a crowd 
that's unthankful for what the Lord's done for them. They're so unthankful they don't even take time to turn around for a minute and say thank you. Amen. You ever catch yourself being less than grateful for what God's done for you? How many of you realize out here today you run across people, they say they're saved, but they don't seem to be very grateful for their salvation. They say they're saved, but they don't want anything to do with church. They say they're saved, but they don't want to hear anything about the Bible. They say they're saved, but they don't want to live in such a way that would honor and glorify the Lord. It would seem if they are saved, they seem very ungrateful, very unthankful. Amen. Those kind of people can be discouraging to us if we're not careful. And Jesus here, in spite of the fact there was a group of people that had received the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God and yet lived as though they were unthankful, lived as though they didn't care, lived as if Jesus hadn't done anything for them at all, lived as though it was all about them, that Jesus went on to Jerusalem anyway in spite of those who were ungrateful and unthankful for what he'd done. You know, one of the things about getting out of the will of God as a Christian is that it appears like we're no longer thankful for what God's done for us. Amen? Think about that. Here's the nine that didn't even show up, never came back. Jesus could have been distracted, but he wasn't. You and I need to be careful that we're not distracted by the ungratefulness and the unthankfulness of people Uh, toward the Lord and what the Lord has legitimately done for them. I've watched over the years when I was pastoring and watched how God would save folks and deal with their hearts and and people get saved out of sin and, 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 and horrible lives and their lives all messed up financially, physically, all those things, and they they let the Lord save them. And, boy, they here they come and they get in church for a while and they testify and they're thanking God and, All things are good that they're saying about the Lord, and then all of a sudden they begin to drift away. And before long, you can't see them. You can't find them. They're not in church. They don't want to come to the house of God. They don't want to answer the door. They don't want to talk anymore. Anybody ever met anybody like that? If you're not careful, you can get to think, well, what's the use? There are people that don't want it to appear, but then even those that seem to have what they're supposed to have and be what they're supposed to be, they're not very thankful. What are we doing this for? We have to make up our minds, set our faces steadfastly, that in spite of whether people around us are thankful or not, number one, we need to keep a thankful heart. We need to always be that one that says, I am thankful, I am grateful, and come back and worship and glorify God for what he's done for us. But even if nobody else does, God help us to be the one that does. Amen? Let me give you one more here this morning. Jesus set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem in spite of those who were ungrateful and unthankful for what he'd done for them. But I want you to notice in Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Luke 18, 31. The Bible says here, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Jesus takes his twelve disciples aside, and he said, We go up to Jerusalem. Notice, and he said, And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished, for he shall 
be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. I want you to notice Jesus Christ has set his face to steadfastly go to Jerusalem, full knowing what it's going to cost him when he got there. He said, now I'm going to Jerusalem, and I know what's going to happen. I know when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be turned over to the Gentiles. And by the way, he was. I know when I go to Jerusalem, they're going to beat my back and plow furrows in my back. And he went anyway. I know when I get to Jerusalem, they're going to mock me. They're going to slap me. They're going to drive a crown of thorns in my head. They're going to spit in my face. They're going to pluck out my beard. They're going to strip me naked before the world. I know that. It's going to cost me. But I'm going anyway. Praise God. He set his face like a flint, knowing full well what it was going to cost him. My friends, there may be times when you and I know living for God, taking a stand for Christ, staying with the book is going to cost us. And it's going to cost us heavily. But no matter what it costs us to live faithfully for him, it's nothing compared to what it cost him to live for us and die for us. Amen. And it may come. We need to set our face like a flint. Full knowing down the road. Here's what it's going to cost me. It may cost me my job. I'll be honest with you. Living in America. It may one day cost us our freedom. It's already cost our Canadian neighbors some of their freedom. I thank God for that pastor that went to jail because he wouldn't shut his church down. They put him in jail and said, we'll turn you loose now. If you promise you won't have any more services publicly. He said, I'm not promising that. I'm going to obey God. Knowing it's going to cost him to keep him in jail. Amen. There may be a time. And we better make up our minds. We better get our faces set now. We better be determined now to do the will of the Father and be determined now to walk in the way of the Word. We better be determined now to stay faithful to the one that died for us and do it steadfastly set our face now before we get there. Amen. I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ set His face toward Jerusalem. He did it for me. And he did it for you. My friend, you and I, by the help of God. He said there in Isaiah 50 in verse 5, verse 6, the Lord will help me. Amen. The Lord will help you and I be faithful. We choose to be. What a day we're living in. A day when we're facing the same kind of things Jesus did. But we can steadfastly Set our face to do his will. Mm-hmm.